In the beginning, there was not one universe, but many. With many worlds almost exactly like Earth. Here to report on those many worlds is the Multiversal News with Greg Lineweaver. Multiversal News. It's so good to see you again. Uh, as usual, we're moving right ahead, having a show every week for this year, and we're uh, remaining strong. We've got a great guest here. Margaret from the uh, Metaphysical Library is with us again to talk to us about some of the wonderful uh, information you can get at the library. Um, would you uh, like to tell us exactly what uh, you would like to talk about today? Sure. Um, the Seattle Metaphysical Library has about 14,000 books of unusual and esoteric nature. And one of the um, subjects in our collection that I think people um, might be interested in, in looking at in more detail is this concept that the human race is much older than mainstream academics think, and that the um, history of the human race is not one of hundreds of thousands of years of very low-level, um, animal-like thing, and then all of a sudden, 6,000, 4,000 years ago, we suddenly, out of the clear blue sky, burst into full, um, full flower of civilizations. And that, in fact, the human race, is the world, the planet itself, is part of a very long cycle of consciousness that changes over a 27,000-year cycle, or over millions of years, and that throughout the planet, we see evidences of prior civilizations, very high civilizations, global civilizations that have risen and fallen and they're so old that we've lost all track of them except um, through mythology and through some megalithic sites and also through some found out of place artifacts that shouldn't be where they are like manufactured gold chains in a seam of coal. Yeah. You know, that's, that's definitely an out of place artifact. or ancient clay figurines that show humans playing with dinosaurs or at, at the same time as dinosaurs. So the whole, um, there's a whole field of study that's emerging and it's been coming out over the last 10, 20, 30 years of information that's been suppressed or overlooked or ignored by mainstream science that says that the history of the human race is much, much older than Western academics accept. Well, I, w I was under the assumption now uh, <laughs> that uh, we're only about 50,000 years old, that we have evolved, that we separated ourselves in Africa from the rest of the uh, Cro-Magnons, and uh, a little bit more upright, a little bit brains, a little bit bigger, and we were able to run across those savannas with a little less hair because it was hot, and uh, that kind of happened well, you know, a, a kind of a slow process, perhaps, but uh, 50,000 years, bam, there we were, ready to go. Um, but that the scientists themselves are not totally sure about this date yet. They're, they're estimating. It's an estimation on their part. And like you say, they, they're probably overlooking crucial information or refuse to acknowledge it, or maybe they, all scientists are gonna have their own views. They're, they're not, as a group, locked step with each other they will argue with each other and that's the kind of the, the beauty of science itself is that it it can be argued 
with depending on the evidence that you can support. Now, when it comes to archaeology, unfortunately, the evidence is always very scant. There's not enough dinosaur bones out there to really recreate all the evolution that occurred. There's not enough of all the evidence that to re to tell us when the, the human race first occurred. I think we I think even scientists would agree that there's a lot of open space and a lot of uh, uh, alternative views deserve to be heard because of this. Um, no, they don't agree with that. <laughs> they don't agree that alternative views should be heard. In fact, they think alternative views should be suppressed. That's one of the more interesting. Um, Robert Temple, I have a list of book titles that I brought with, uh, book covers that I brought with me that we can put on the screen when um, I talk about a book. So sure. I'm going to um, talk a little bit now about book number nine, which is The Serious Mystery by Robert Temple. And he was one of the first people that brought out um, a book talking about looking at the Dogon society. And he's looking at the connection between Sirius the dog star, the canine, and um, Egypt in the Gaza pyramid and North African society. And um, one of the, in his new version that's just come out, he's got a little section at the end that talks about how he has been attacked since that book was published, uh, not yeah. by the academics, but actually that he has been actively suppressed by the CIA, and his um, and he's he's a very um, respectable man. He's uh, you know a professor at at um, a university in Beijing, and he's a member of the Royal Astronomical Society, and is a member of a number of different um, scientific organizations. And like I say, he is an academic himself. But his his um, speculation is that this is really interesting that the. And this is his speculation alone, but he's got a lot of experience. And people told him, flat out told him, that he was being blackballed because the CIA did not want him in some societies. And his speculation is the reason for that is because the Soviet Union had a mole in the CIA, and the Soviet Union wanted to destroy American efforts in this area of parapsychological research. And there's active suppression going on in the academics in the United States over this material. So what, what uh, research was he doing? Well, he, Robert Temple's book, he's written a number of different books. And again, I'm only bringing yeah. the books out that we have in the metaphysical library. And if you do a Google search, I mean, if you go to Amazon and you look up these books, you'll see a lot of other books of a similar nature that Amazon can suggest to follow through. And then the other thing is that um, most of these writers reference each other. And so if you read one and one, because what ha these books are very technical. Most of these books are written by either um, scientists themselves or by science journalists. Yeah. And they have a lot of supporting evidence. And you don't really need to know the supporting evidence to know what they're saying. So other authors will take the summary of what they said. And then you, if you question it, you can go back and look at the supporting evidence in their books. But what, um, Robert, what Temple was talking about is that the Dogon Society, which is a society in North Africa, um, was influenced, was um, uh, informed by extraterrestrials who came down from the Sirius star and who gave Dogon, yeah, in the Dogon in, in Mali, were, in North were they Africa. Reptilian or? No, this was um, fish. Fish. And okay. they look at some of the Babylonian um, fish statues that are royal fish statues and okay. also dolphins. Right. And um, in fact, it's really interesting because I read a, a, res a response to that by um, some 
mainstream scientists who don't agree with it. And they're, the way that um, this information first came out were two French anthropologists spent 40 years at the Dogon and became very um, much a part of their society and very respected. They were anthropologists. When they died, a quarter of a million people came to their funerals, the Dogon people came to their funerals. They were very respected, and so they were given information about the secret teachings of the Dogon society, the lineage teachings, and that's how this came out, that, they, that the Dogons understood, and this is before mainstream science understood it, that Sirius had a twin star on a 52-year orbit, as well as other information as well. And what the mainstream academics respond to that is that actually this um, reporter came to the Dogon society and told them that, because at, at that time they were discussing it, and the Dogons incorporated that into their old lineage teachings so that when these anthropologists came, the Dogons had changed their lineage teachings to correspond to the stories that these reporters came. Well, that's totally bogus because it took these anthropologists 40 years to get the teaching. So obviously, the Dogon are not going to just listen to some gossip. But that's how far mainstream academics will go to try to explain away anything that indicates that maybe society is older, much older than um, they say. In fact, there's a very famous um, woman anthrop anthropologist, unfortunately I can't remember her name, whose whole career was ruined because she found ancient figurines and strata that were tens of thousands of years older than they should have been. And instead of looking at it seriously, they just destroyed her career. Robert Schock, who um, is a professor at Brown University, he's a geologist, and he kind of got tricked into dating the ancient uh, Sphinx because the people who were doing research showed him the, the weathering patterns on the walls of the, of the, um, the um, plateau that the Sphinx was on, carved out of the Sphinx, was actually carved out of the bedrock. And you can see the weathering patterns, which are rain going down. And there hasn't been torrential rains in the North African desert for a long, long time, tens of thousands of years. Probably not and since the iceworms. The, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he, they didn't tell him where it was, and they just asked him to identify what kind of weathering it was. And he actually said he was kind of a little bit dis disconcerted after he found out they stripped away the masked part of the photo that wasn't displayed, and he found he was looking at the base of the Sphinx, because he had just, um, but so, but many geologists, because he would not have looked at it had he known, yeah. and most geologists would not have looked at it. Since then, he's gotten a little bit more professional backing because he's very respected. Yeah. But there's a huge, Michael Cremo, in fact, let's look at another book here. Michael Cremo, number 13. Number the hidden, 13, can we get the, number 13 up, Darren? The Hidden History of the Human Race. This book was published about 20 years ago, and Michael Cremo, um, that's one of the things he talks about, is what he calls the knowledge filter, that um, information is clamped down and it's either ignored or it's totally, um, totally crazy explanations are given for it. Well, what I can't understand is why would the CIA, regardless of the Russian moles or whoever might be involved in it, why is the CIA trying to direct or, or support or not support certain knowledge seekers. I thought knowledge was what we were looking for here, not 
not the the knowledge we want to hear, or not the wallet knowledge that the I, I don't understand. Are you are you being sarcastic or is that serious? Yeah, I guess I am. I mean, you're being sarcastic. The okay. The CIA. Because I don't want to, I can give you a, a, yeah. a serious answer to it, but it's pretty obvious. Well, I tell you what. Why don't you give me that serious answer? Because I think a lot of people would like to to have some idea of what why the CIA is dabbling into ar archaeology here. What? What, what, what is so horrible <laughs> about the past that we have to be It's not horrible. From? Mind not, control. Yeah, 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 mind control is a big part of it. And it's also, um, you know, I want to kind of do a story that, again, I don't, I kind of, I personally, I'm not really sure because I haven't spent the time necessary to study all of this. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of repeating stuff that sounds interesting to me. Yeah. And um, one of the things that's really interesting is book number one, The Lost Star of Myth and Time by Walter Cruttenden. Yeah. Walter Cruttenden is a Vedic scholar. And he talks, he takes number two, Holy Science by um, Swami um, Yukteswar. He, ta he talks about the Vedic concepts of the rise and fall of civilizations, that the whole solar system is involved in a binary star system with another um, entity out there. And as we on a 27,000-year cycle, which explains the precession of the equinox, how yeah. the rising sign at over 2,000 years changes at Easter time yeah. or anywhere. Yeah. And he's saying it's not because the Earth is tilted, which is the mainstream science, because if that were the case, then we would see also that happen with Mars and Jupiter and the planets, but we don't. The, the planets are not part of it. And he's saying it's because, it's not just him, a lot of, but he's done the best job, I think, of explaining it. Although that's a pretty old book, and now more people have taken this story and continued on with it. But um, he's saying it's because the whole solar system is in a 27,000-year orbit. And as we go through that, through the galaxy in that orbit, and we, as we get closer and further away from the, from the other, other planet that's in our, star, that's in our binary system, yeah. the um, kind of electromagnetic energy that's hitting the Earth is changing human consciousness. And human consciousness is becoming rising and falling over a 27,000 year cycle. And we're just now coming out of the bottom of it. We're actually, oh, okay. some people say, and there's a lot oh, of- That's good. <laughs> and that's, and that's a, this is an old Vedic. The Vedas were ancient when they were written down 7,000 years ago. And they talk, and it's not just the Vedas, but they talk, there's many of the oral traditions that our lineage teachings have been kept through the centuries, through the thousands of years talk about the earth having gone through many, many of these cycles, many of them. And the civilizations rise and then they fall. And as they're starting to fall, they understand what's going to happen. You know, think about what you would have to do in order to understand that the sun's going to rise in the morning. You'd have to sat through a couple of days to know that the sun's going to rise in the morning, to know that spring is going to follow winter. You have to go through a couple of years. So these 27,000 year cycles, you have to have gone through several of them, one, to notice it, yeah. two, to measure it, and then three, to verify it, and then yeah. four, to understand and use it. So you can obviously see that there have been, and we don't know how many, and different yeah. people have different, different lineages have different stories, but at the top of the previous golden cycle, the Satya Yuga, they knew as it was going back down into the silver and the bronze and into the iron, that during the Iron Age, the Kali Yuga, all memory of prior civilizations would be lost. And now some people, and Temple is one of them, Robert Temple is one of them, some people say, no, I'm sorry, not Robert Temple, it's um, Christopher Knight, Uriel's Machine, number 10. Yeah. Number 10, Uriel's Machine, Christopher Knight. Yeah. He talks about that there are these secret societies 
that have managed to keep the secret teachings from the, from, from the Golden Age down through the Iron Age, the Kali Yuga, as we're getting ready to rebuild knowledge that was lost and forgotten. And it's being kept in storage. It's being kept in um, code. It's being kept in key. It's kept in these monuments that are around the planet. Yeah. It's kept in ancient mythologies. But this secret knowledge is a source of power. So when you ask why the CIA wants to keep it secret uh, and not okay. wants to go public, it's because they're still working in the old Kali Yuga, very low consciousness, where they're interested in their own personal power, and they're very, very powerful. The CIA is just part of it, is just one finger on a very strong fist that's ruling the planet, and has been ruling the planet for thousands of years. And that fist wants to keep the rest of the people in ignorance. Well, that really sucks because, you know, well, that's what kind of an encouraging sign there because I was thinking to myself, okay, now this, this relates to my show. I'm going to quickly talk about this. Uh, I was thinking to myself, should I try to get more intellectual with my show, bring on more scientists and raise the consciousness of people out there? Well, I guess that's probably a good plan if the consciousness of the earth is going to raise perhaps my show should also raise its own conscience and well, do less. I think you should do what you like. <laughs> and if you're interested, <laughs> you should do it. Well, that's really what's going to happen. Yeah. I was just kind of speculating on how I could oh, use this newfound knowledge right. for my own benefit. Never mind. Okay. So you're going to have to give me space to answer your question. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is real new information, and so I can't give little cookie-cutter quick answers. No, that, of course that not. reference things that we already have reference to. So I have to... You know, it's it's really complicated material. Well, of course, that's it's not what complicated, makes but it's, it, it's, it's complex. More fun, complicated stuff. It's always more fun to try to uh, work through than your common ordinary. Yeah, I think I agree. BS that you could have on a talk show. That's why we have a whole hour. I want to have one hour for each guest. And that's, yeah. that's a reason I love having you on here because you've got a lot of very uh, well knowledgeable for the alternative. Uh, area of, of, of knowledge. Now, I'm, I'm planning on having more scientists on, but scientists pretty much adhere to um, most of the um, assumptions that most scientists do adhere to, unless they can, somebody has to be very brave to take on a, a common assumption, and they have to have the facts behind them, and they're going to be prepared to take a lot of heat, and probably even from the CIA itself. If I don't it's, know if they're still doing that now. I just don't know yeah. if that's still happening. I would imagine probably is. Old habits well, it's been die changed. hard. Well, see, there's many, many different three-letter acronym agencies. And so the CIA, to a certain extent, I think, is kind of like the public whipping boy. And yeah. there are other agencies that probably are actually more Oh, nefarious. that's true. The CIA is just old hat. It's like once, once everybody realizes what a secret organization does, then they fill it with a bunch of lackey idiots and go create another secret organization no one else knows about somewhere else. For a while it was the NSA and now it's not the NSA, it's something else. And something hidden deep inside the bowels of the uh, Homeland Security. Yeah, right, no kidding. Yeah, something Although actually, so you know, the real, the real power that you're not allowed to talk about in public are the corporations. Oh. Because all the corporations have major security and you cannot talk about that at what all. a surprise i'm shocked okay yeah. now that was sarcasm you want to hear some more okay corporations are so wonderful for the united states you know basically right now corporations are sucking us dry and are going to uh, leave us with a gigantic I'm sorry huge I hole diverted the conversation that's my bad <laughs> <laughs> no that's okay i i uh, I've, I've something i haven't said a million times on this show before and i'm sure that 
I'm going to create trouble with my friends over at the Zero Project. By the way, yeah, I'm an official spokesman for all the other uh, alternate universes out there. Yes, that's true. Um, and uh, what I've, is the Zero Project? The Zero Project was a secret organization uh, created by the NSA to uh, when they found out that they, we could contact other universes. Uh, the other universes contacted them and said that uh, there would be a guy named Greg Lineweber, or named very much close to that, that they should contact to be this official spokesman. Now, I thought that was pretty crazy. They contacted me, and I attempted to run, and it was chased down and bodily handcuffed and taken into the office. Uh, there are official files for this that we will show someday, a historical record. Yes, and then they were told me that... Uh, in every other universe, there's always a Greg Lineweber that speaks for them, and that therefore is kind of like a, um, well, you may think that this is some sort of uh, artistry of the show itself, but that could be. I could be making this up, but can you afford to take the chance? Maybe not. But anyway, I am the official spokesman for all the alternate universes. There's an alternate Greg there to speak, so we can communicate with each other more effectively if I'm talking to myself. Uh, that is the official story, and I'm staying with it because I'm being paid to do so by the NSA. Now, let's get back to what we're talking about here. I, I know. I, I know. <laughs> uh, let's, let's not delve too far into that. I'll okay. talk about that later. Uh, anyway, let's hear what other books do you have that you'd like to make us aware of? Well, one of the things I started, I want, kind of want to get into a little bit of the emerging picture that I'm kind of starting to pick up from reading this material and then talk about um, the different books we have that, because there are so many um, books and so many people writing on this now. And um, a big part of the, of the reason I think that this is coming out right now and the relevance of what's going on, and by right now I mean this decade, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I'm not talking about this afternoon, but you know, in, in, in the kind of like the history of our civilization, where we're going, yeah. the concept that we're coming out of the Kali Yuga, there are different um, scholars that use different um, words for the cycles because the Mayans also had uh, the same kind of cyclical um, story. And um, Africans had the same kind of cyclical story. The Hopi, I have um, the book of the Hopi, number five. Yeah. Um, they have... Um, that's a Hopi cosmology, which has a cyclical um, story about the human race has risen and fallen and risen and fallen. And according to that book, this is the fourth world. The fourth world. Yeah, I've heard that since many other times. It's, I think this is called the Briatic world. Now, where's that word come from? I haven't heard that word. I haven't heard it before or since, but I read about it. It was called the Briatic. By whom? I can't remember the guy's name. Was it? Was it? Is it? Did he make the word up, or did he, was it no. some lineage, some uh, cultural? He, he picked um, it out of some sort of historical writings that he had picked up at the time, and uh, I don't know why it would be called the Briatic. I, I don't know. And how long does the age last? Is it something that lasts millions of years, or a few days, or till the world's destroyed? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, the so world this is the fourth world, and the, and, the, and the world will be destroyed at the end of that. Yeah. Now okay. there are. People that that may have suggested that what happened, um, uh, well, at uh, Exodus and uh, the Battle of uh, of um, uh, of uh, the Troy, the sacking of Troy, were about the same time. There were great astronomical uh, acts that occurred during these two special events. I've never linked them together in my brain, but apparently the, this one author did, and uh, I remember reading it was by. 
It was speculated that the planet Venus used to have an elliptical orbit that used to come in close to uh, Earth. Yeah, well, I didn't bring that in here, but Thornhill has a concept of the electric universe. Yeah, and that there's a there's actually quite a few people. Velikovsky, I do Velikovsky, have in here. Velikovsky yeah, is um, which book is that one? That one's number eight. If you want to show worlds in collision with Emanuel Velikovsky, but oh, there's yeah. a number of people. In some, you know, over the he he wasn't really a professional, so he got some things wrong, but he got some things right that proved to be true. Yeah. But there's a lot of um, and, and talk about suppressed. I mean, that that yeah. guy uh, recreated Egyptian history, and the Egyptian scholars were pretty pissed off about well, it. Well, no, he didn't. I don't, did he do? Did he recreate Egyptian history? Velikovsky? Yeah, he did a lot to rewrite uh, Egyptian history, okay. or try to, okay. uh, because uh, the way he looked at it is that they got all the the numbers and dates wrong, and that he could prove it with by just reading the hieroglyphs themselves. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I didn't read that particular book of his. I was just focusing more on that that really interesting book he wrote about the uh, worlds in collision. Right. Uh, by the way, I was really impressed by the book, and also I thought he he, he defended his argument pretty well. He had a lot. Well, of all of these people had defend. Yeah. They have a lot of information to support their arguments. Yeah. That's the thing that I have. That's why I keep going back to the suppression, because there's an ample amount of evidence to, in to support all of this, and the responses by the mainstream who deny it are inadequate to non-existent oh. as far as the arguments against it. Uh, speaking of which, Darren, we need to go ahead and put our commercial on. Uh, I should have done this a while back. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm getting new to the idea that I'm actually having sponsors. Do we have the commercial? Darren? Yeah, we do, Greg. Okay, whip her out. All right, we're pulling it up right now. Uh, yeah, this is a commercial from Masquerade.com. Uh, if you need any costumes made, this is the place to do it. But I'll let the commercial speak for itself. Uh, just let us know when you're Hello, Earthlings. Whenever I need a costume change or to sneak surreptitiously into the camps of my alien enemies, I come to a Masquerade.com to look for a uniform that I can use to pass anywhere. Why, I was able to pass as a human, and because of that, I was able to get uh, vital information that helped us win the Battle of Lyra. We destroy that world completely. <laughs> and thanks to you, we may be coming to conquer Earth. If you happen to see one of us and we look human, well, it will be because of a masquerade.com. Be sure and give them lots of money because that is going to serve our interests very well. Thank you very much, Masquerade. And a masqueradeshop.com is where you should go if you want to conquer Earth. Hello, and we're back. Okay, uh, folks, that's uh, one of my various sponsors I have on this show. Uh, uh, Masquerade.com is a wonderful, wonderful place to shop. I guarantee you that if I needed a costume, that's where I would go. In fact, I go there all the time. All right. Uh, let's get back to talking about um, what we were talking about, worlds in collision. Well, we were basically we were talking about um, this concept of the uh, cycles of society. Long history, yeah. A long history. And one of the main evidences that... We, in this period of time, in this cycle of history, that we realize there's something to be looked at are these megalithic sites. 
we started off with Stonehenge and we yeah. started off with the Great Pyramid and discovered that there were correlations with astronomical observations in those as well. And then the then Robert Temple with his um, the Sirius Mystery looked at the connection between and the Orion belt between the connection between the Great Pyramids yeah. and astronomy. And since then the big megalithic sites found Teotihuacan and in Central America, Mesoamerica, um, as well as Easter Island and um, megalithic sites around uh, the world. We haven't looked too much about in China. China has um, some pyramids as well, but they're um, top secret because they're shooting rockets off near them. So we, <laughs> the, the people can't get to them. Oh, come on, Chinese people. Let us look at your pyramids. But, um, you know, they're deeply connected to astronomy yeah. and to celestial to celestial yeah, that's, events. That's, that's true with Angkor Wat, the pyramids, yeah. the, uh, uh, yeah. the those in Pir uh, Peru, those in uh, Mexico. They all right. got uh, astronomical uh, layouts that are impressive because of their accuracy, which they could not possibly even do today. Right. So the thing, so the the size is one thing. That again, it's a key that they we can't do that today. Um, Baalbek. Have you heard of Baalbek, which I believe is in Turkey, has these huge yeah stones that there's a, sto a thousand tons we don't have a crane that could lift it much less a truck that could carry it and in the quarry there's a 2,000 ton stone so the huge size of these ancient stones of course you've seen the pictures of, of Machu Picchu where the stonework is so precise in the older layers yeah. if you go I was, I was I went down to Machu Picchu in the older layers the stonework is very very precise big massive stones and then as you get the as you get higher up in the newer <laughs> things, it gets more and more sloppy. Till <laughs> yeah, till the t till contemporary stuff is just rocks stuck in mud, basically. Yeah. You know, rocks stuck in concrete is what they're using. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> so the one of the speculations, and it is just speculation, is that stones, these big megaliths, um, will last throughout these cycles. Yeah. So again, it's a clue. It's the first clue we got that there's more to study. Then the other clue that we've been working on, there's another book in here, and it's um, it's uh, Hamlet's Mill number three. And this was oh written yes. by two professors, and they did an extensive amount of research. And again, this is a very well-respected book that's a source book. Many people have taken this and taken the information and run with it and come up with new stuff because this is an evolving science. But one of the main books is Hamlet's Mill. It's hard to read, it's very academic. But they went to um, mythologies around the planet and showed how many, many of the myths of the planet are actually ways that ancient scientists encoded astronomical constants and astronomical information in a way that pre-literate, non-literate, oral societies could transmit it down through the ages. And so now, as we're starting to be able to recognize and the actual um, astronomical realities ourselves, we're actually able to, to see and we're actually able to measure, and we can begin to recognize the great truths that are in these myths, yeah. then we can begin to recognize that, oh, this is not brand new. You know, I've read some of Hamlet's Mill. I think I was reading it on the Internet, mm -hmm. and I was uh, interested in... What fascinated with me was that they were able to. So there's there's mathematics involved in the myth, like you know in Valhalla, yeah. there's 
360 warrior guards or something. And all this has to do with uh, the degrees on the earth, the amount of uh, uh, time to rotate. Uh, there were uh, 21,537 warriors, which was the uh, epoch for uh, a length of uh, time for the equinox to move 30 degrees or something like this. But yeah, they were able to take the mathematics. There was math uh, stuck in all the old myths that they were able to Well, put not together. all of them, but throughout the planet, every culture had, every culture that had these old myths had these mathematics in it. Yeah. But not to say that every myth has mathematics in it. But yeah, but, but a lot yeah. of them did. A lot yeah. of them uh, adds up to uh, a very interesting... Uh, well, Hamlet's yeah. Mill itself refers to um, the ancient mill that um, ground gold at the top of it and ground salt in the middle of it and ground sand at the bottom of it, in which refers to the Yuga cycles, yeah. where at the top it's gold and in the middle it's still useful, salt is still useful, yeah. but then useless down at the bottom, and then it, but it comes back up again, yeah. you know, and it's supported by um, the, the rising and falling of the two, the, the binary stars. I forget the names of the two goddesses that actually own the mill, yeah. but it's, it's uh, the, the, this concept of, of, of uh, so that that's the part that is, to me, the most problematic, and the one that I'm personally am kind of interested in trying to understand better and deciding, even if we have a way of knowing what the truth is, much less if we even know what it is, do we even yeah. have a way of knowing, is the concept of extraterrestrial intervention. Yeah. Because that is kind of a subtext that runs through all of these things. Is, yeah. is it purely the result of rising and falling of human consciousness, or is it that as we move through a different part of the space, we become within range of another society that is capable of interacting with us, and then we leave it again? Because again, many of these ancient myths talk about the gods and goddesses as very corporal, three-dimensional people that get jealous and angry and, 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 and get involved with yeah. human affairs. Yeah. Help fight our wars. In fact, they or take different <laughs> sides. Yeah, right. Or start them. You know? Many thanks. Just like we needed help with yeah, that. Yeah, and the whole Zachariah Sitchin stuff, where yeah. he's and there's a lot again, a lot of controversy over that because whenever you're translating ancient texts, there's room for errors, and people do sincerely disagree with some of his translations. But and I haven't done a whole lot of research, but I haven't seen a lot of credible people who are actually able to say this was a mistranslation. You know, people have just generally slammed him without actually pinpointing where his mistakes yeah, are. Just to say what is an actual translation of a text. In order to understand an ancient text, you need to understand the people writing the text and what they meant and the nuances to their to the speech. So, yeah, you can't really say that uh, somebody's uh, interpreting the text wrong right. unless you know those people who wrote the thing and can say, oh, I didn't mean that. Right. But the then and Sitchin's translations of the Sumerian cuneiform tablets ex explicitly say that um, the human race was genetically modified. Yeah. Okay. Now that's that's something I would like to talk about. By ex by external yeah. extraterrestrials. So your question about fifty thousand years ago, humans came out of Africa. There's a lot of archaeological evidence that's been suppressed that there are many species of humans, giants. Uh, yeah, Short people. Yeah. Um, well, the Nephilim aren't necessarily giants. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. But I mean, they could be. Yeah. But but there but there's also other giants too that aren't necessarily Nephilim. Yeah. But th and that there are other sub. Uh, 
Cro-Magnon actually had a bigger brain than Homo than 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 we do, Homo sapiens. Yeah. So it's uh, and there was a period of time when when the two were uh, here at the same so time. Maybe Cro-Magnon had an advanced civilization. Well, who knows? I mean, yeah. so that's a, that's the point. It's it's all up in the air. So the concept that the humans might have been genetically modified that we didn't just come out of evolve out of simian um, primate line and suddenly become human, yeah. but that there was some extraterrestrial intervention that genetically manipulated us. So that and that's where gen that's where um, genetic defects came from. Birth defects come from is because it wasn't a perfect. Um, Manipulation, <laughs> you know, and they screwed up, yeah, yeah. you know, and that the human tail was genetically removed, and that the human were made to be upright so that our spine, our spinal cord, could resonate better with the frequencies of the universe. Yeah. So, and there's, there's, yeah. um, and there's, a, there's some evidence to indicate that, and and the people who talk about it are serious, and they've got serious evidence behind it, and it's not something that is at all even begun to be. Mainstream science can't even begin to explain it. Which book would talk about this the best? If the bar audience wanted to read up on this, which which would be the book um, to start with? Genetic none of these. Mutations. None of these talk about the. Well, um, I'm trying to think about who would be the best to talk about genetic mutations. I don't know. Um, I don't think any of these do. I think I think Holy Science number two. Number two. Okay. Yeah, would be a good one to to, to start with. But uh, the most of the genetic manipulation would be Zachariah Sitchin, which I didn't include here. I just had to yeah. put a limit somewhere. Well, uh, so, but uh, this was the, could be referred to as the beginning of civilization. When we got manipulated by the gods who are hanging around, they taught us basically civilization. They taught us bureaucracy because every god needs to have a bureaucracy. Every every religion has has that in it, that, that yeah. humans were informed by the gods. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, and the gods had a good common. PR system, too. They had lots of priests and bureaucrats to go around spreading the word and the laws to, and, uh, to enforce their will upon us ape-like creatures that they were genetically modifying to uh, build pyramids faster or whatever. The or whatever they were doing. Yeah, yeah I yeah, it's I I, th I think it, I think it's much more complex than that. I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, my apology. I'm not trying to dumb this down. I well, like you know, I hesitate to bring in um, Dunvalo Melchizedek because he's not. I don't think that he's a um, what I would call in on on his credibility isn't at a level that these people are uh -huh. because these people in this list I'm talking about today are scientists yeah. and, and and serious researchers. And which is not to say that more speculative people wouldn't be appropriate, but that's definitely when we start talking about this stuff, yeah. we are moving into the rate into the age of um, into the edge of more speculation because it's and so and that's like in Dunvalo Melchizedek has talked a lot about this, as okay. has Edgar Casey, oh yeah. and they've both talked about it. And Zachariah Sitchin has done a lot of translations, and he's written, geez, ten or twelve books that talk about this. Um, yeah his different books on the purpose of the um, genesis of the human race and the purpose of the human race. And it's, it's it, to my mind, I think that's still pretty speculative. I don't, it's hard to know how you would say as far as evidence goes, but it's, I think there's something there to me personally, it makes more sense that yeah. humans were genetically manipulated into our current situation 
then that we just naturally evolved out of monkeys. That doesn't make well, any sense to me. You know, I, I'm open to both ideas. The idea that we've evolved from monkeys could have happened over a million years or something. There's a lot of evidence that this was gradually happening. No, there isn't. But, well, there, there were, I didn't say <laughs> conclusive evidence. No, I mean, I there is, there's no missing link. It's not there. Well, I mean, I, th I thought there's some close hits there. I mean, the scientists have uncovered some apes that are more human-like as time goes well, that's, on. That, yeah, but that's different than, than human. Well, you got me there. Really, that's really a, that, that I can't, cannot argue with. Yeah. But I'm also open to the idea that space aliens could have done it. And why? Because the universe is 13 billion years old. There's been plenty enough time for planets like Earth or even unlike Earth to foster intelligent life. They could grow, understand the concepts of the universe, much like what we're doing, unless, of course, well, I don't know. I just It seems plausible after billions of years, and we're talking about at least 13 billion, that there would be a race smart enough to be able to travel across the galaxies and genetically manipulate other creatures. We're doing it ourselves, you know? Well, but Thornhill actually has some good um, work. He's, he's written a book called The Electric Universe, and he's saying this whole way that the age of the universe is wrong and that it's not 13 billion years old. It's basically an endless cycle. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and that the, the red shift is not a symptom of moving planets, it's a symptom of aging stars. Oh, yeah? Well, well that's, that's... And he's got a lot of evidence and to support him on that. Greg? Yeah. We're at about nine minutes left. Okay. Yeah, I was about to okay. show you the time there. Yeah, okay. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about the, the origins of the civilization of the human race? Um, we've touched on pretty much most of it. Um, I do want to say that one thing I haven't um, talked about is number 11, maps of the ancient sea kings, because this is a, Charles Hapgood is a professor at some small liberal arts colleges in Vermont, and he also, he also was with the CIA and the OSS. Oh, good. And he um, took a look at ancient maps and clearly sees evidence that um, Antarctica was mapped yeah. before it had ice on it. And he sees evidence that the, there's been pole shifts, and again, an ancient civilization global worldwide civilization that has that we've totally forgotten about yeah. and that part of that um, evidence in, in the fact that it's polar I mean it's very it, it's very difficult to map things um, east to west to know how f it's very hard to know to the second how far away you are from uh, the east coast or the west coast you can tell north and south because you can see from the pole star and the equator. Yeah. It's hard to know how far east and west you are without very accurate timepieces. Yeah. And so for ancient societies to have been able to map that shows a very high level of technology. And that's the other thing we haven't really talked about at all. And again, these books will all reference each other and there's so much you can't get it in one book. But yeah. we haven't even talked about um, ancient technologies that are like the Antipythera um, clock that was found with 22 different gears in it that are so far that it was found um, about a hundred years ago and they just recently were able to x-ray it and look inside and it's just um, it's about 4,000 years old and there's no way it could have been done by hand because with all these many these gears 22 different gears differentials different planes and it actually maps the it's a it's like a plane it's like a planetarium thing it maps the uh -huh. different movements of the constellations if it had been done by hand it would have seized up it had to have been machined so it is just wow. this, uh, this ancient technology, uh, technology of um, figures 
China has these um, reflective mirrors that when you see it in sunlight, but not in artificial light, it actually transmits an image, and when you show two together, it actually produces a two-dimensional, three-dimensional image. So there's, there's a lot of ancient technologies. And so how did China map the meridians of the body? You know, in acupuncture. There's this ancient technology is, is uh, again, another thing we haven't talked about, but it's a really important clue that the history as we have been taught is wrong. There's a lot of stuff that raises questions. Um, I myself am not going to take on the historians today, but uh, there are a lot of times when I have had to say to myself, okay, now this clearly is a problem. And one of those things is the, is the big monuments, the way they right. chisel the stone well, just right. I it's also want to put in a plug for the Seattle Metaphysical Library. Okay. Because the Seattle Metaphysical Library has many, many, many books like this. Yeah. And if you want to read about them, you can spend hundreds of dollars and buy them on Amazon, or you can go to the library. But not the Seattle Public Library won't have them, but the Seattle Metaphysical check them Library. Out. Wow, you can get all this knowledge for free? Well, no, not for free. It's $35 a year. Oh, okay. Well, that's not too that's not bad. That's, that could come down to about well, 50 we don't have cents a book. It. We don't have that. anybody supporting us. so that's Yeah. So well, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that, uh, that, that you have brought up here, and we've only touched the surface. I know. I go over and talk real fast yeah. to get everything done. I, I know. I, are there, is there anything we're missing here? That uh, We've got a few more minutes left. What, what do we got here? we got uh, about... Five minutes. Can okay. you go through and give me as much information about the books you have at the Metaphysical Library as you can before we clock out? Oh, if I can switch topics. You mean just talk in general about the books at the library? Yeah. Why don't or you? Or, well, let's go ahead and, and talk about anything you here. missed here on, on okay. this discussion. Well, you know, an important part of this is looking at the ancient traditions of other societies and um, looking at serious researchers who studied myths. And again, as I said, it's really important in reading these books to look at, to write down, I do this myself, to write down um, when, the, when the writers reference other books to go and look at those books as well. And some of them you can get on Amazon, some you can check out at the library, some of them are magazines. Um, really, you're not gonna get much on the web. That's the thing that's surprising to me is I, in preparation for this meeting today, I tried to get a summary, because I haven't read all these books, so I tried to get a summary uh -huh. of um, what was in the book. And I'm surprised that it's not, in the w it's not on the web. You actually have to read the book to get yeah. the information. Oh, that's I just thought that was surprising. That's terrible. I know. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, it's good, though, because the, when you read the, these, some of these books, and I've read a few of them, I'm so impressed and amazed yeah. at, at how thoughtful and well-supported some of these arguments are. They're very are. well. Yeah, the ones I referenced here. Now, there's a zillion that are not as well-supported. One of the things that you'd mentioned earlier about parting the Red Sea and the uh, Moses and the um, fall of Troy, well, the thing is that many, many scholars have talked about the ancient, the Old Testament as actually being very, very much older. It's not historic. Many people say that they look for evidence of historical accuracy of the Old Testament, yeah. and they find things, but we don't know that it's what they talked about in the Old Testament. Yeah. Some things have to stretch, and there's a lot of evidence to show that much of the Old Testament is either an allegory or yeah. it's carried over from even previous um, teachings, older even previous books, yeah, older like books. The, there's a lot of stuff in uh, that uh, the Nag Hammadi, I'm, uh, well, not the Nag Hammadi, but I'm talking about the ancient Indian scripts and, of course, Gilgamesh, stories yeah. of Gilgamesh that are 
parallel to the Bible, almost as if they stole the ideas for themselves. Well, they translated it and they yeah. carried it forward. And they, yeah, yeah, I don't think they, that was actually stealing. I think it was just incorporating. Adopting, it's, yeah. it's just like what we did with the Old Testament. Right. We just yeah. grafted it on top of the New Testament yeah. to create our own religion. Right. Even though, uh, well, it's really great. It means there's enough stuff in the Bible for anyone to read and believe in in God's work, and they can ignore everything else God says because well, that's what the Bible's for, right? Well, but the point is, the, re the thing I was bringing up is that studying these old texts and studying the old myths and studying where they came from will really help a lot in if you're interested in this information about what's real and what isn't real. Yeah. Um, and, and it has been used as a source of information and power. Yeah. And so that's, you know, it's like why do we care whether the sun rises and falls because the earth is spinning around the sun or because the sun is spinning around the earth? In the morning, if you look to the east, you're going to see the sun. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter whether you understand it or not, but it does. Oh, but it does, yes. And I, so that's the point. Yeah, I know. I When I look at the sun, I think, wow, it's kind of really neat that we're rotating and it's looking like that thing's moving around when it's really not. Because it makes it aware that, hey, things are not what they always seem. Things can be completely different. And Greg. because of that, yes, we're running out of time, aren't we? <laughs> we got one minute. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Okay, well, like I was about to say, things are not what they always seem. Don't believe what your lying eyes are telling to you <laughs> because uh, your eyes don't see the whole picture. It's best to seek out the knowledge so you can find out and say, the sun isn't setting, the earth is turning. And the earth is turning is a good thing, it's something we can be comfortable with. Yes, earthquakes will happen because the earth is turning and the plates are shifting underneath as magma moves around. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Embrace the knowledge. And, it's a, and a good place to start is to go to the Metaphysical Library. In Ballard. In Ballard. What's, yeah. the, what's the address for that place? 2220 Northwest Market Street. And All it's right. a little window. You, there's no sign on the building. So there's just a little, there's a door, glass door, and you have to go in the glass door and you'll see the sign inside the building. But we have a website. SeattleMetaphysicalLibrary.org. Exactly. And, and that, that just goes to show you, uh, getting metaphysical knowledge is something you have to look for carefully. It's not a billboard on, on the street That's leading true. you to the place. You'll have to actually search for it, just like you'll have to search for the truth in the library once you get there. It's been really great having you on Thank here, you. Margaret. Okay. I, I would love to have you on again sometime soon. Sure. Fine. Uh, you name the topic and we'll do it. Okay. We'll most definitely do it. Oh. You know, what I'd really love to do is have a uh, have you on the show on 12-12-12. All conspiracy so, stuff. Yeah, well, oh, right. Oh, no, 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 the 2012. 2012? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, unless you're hiding out in the mountains somewhere. We could pre-record it if you want. No, no. I, no, I, I, I'm not going to be hiding in the mountains at all. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm going to look at that 200-foot tidal wave and say, yeah, I wanted to be here to see that. Well, you know, another topic I think is really interesting is energy medicine. Energy, energy medicine? Energy work. Ah, yes. I've heard many, many strange things about that. Yeah. It would be great to talk about energy yeah. medicine. We have a lot way. of books on that, too. Do you uh, mean things like Reiki? Yeah, Reiki's part of it. Okay. Yeah, Reiki and the whole concept of non-local, you know, reality. Yeah. And the body-mind connection. I read this really great book once uh, called uh, the... the uh, oh, I Are we done? Are we done, Darren? Yeah, we're out of time, go Craig. Ahead, go ahead and switch, switch on the end credits here. All right. Do you want to do you want to let people know where to find out more information about you? Yeah. We uh, got the new website coming. Yeah, oh well, yeah, I've got the website, themultiversalnews.com. 
Uh, I'm going to be uh, developing this website over the course of the next uh, few weeks. And it will have all my shows, all my information, plus a video log of me while I'm sitting around my house goofing off. I'll <laughs> talk about uh, current events and what I'm thinking about uh, the search for knowledge. Awesome. And, of course, the search for really great guests to be on the show to provide you the kind of entertainment that you want and the knowledge that you seek. I try to find the very best minds around the town, and I bring them to you. All right. Well, this is Greg Line where we're signing off. Thank you very much. Margaret, always a pleasure. Have a good Thank evening. You. Good night. Good night. I'm attorney Alexander Ransom. Have you been charged with a DUI or faced any other criminal charges? If you're in trouble with the law, you need a trial attorney who's aggressive, experienced, and effective. Call today for a free consultation, the law offices of Alexander Ransom. I look forward to serving you.
and getting your criminal charges reduced or dismissed. Call today. The law offices of Alexander Ransom. Call today. Our systems will rock your world. 